The following episode contains talks of suicide and death. If these are things that bother you, please feel free to skip this episode. We have plenty of other debriefings that are a lot less heavy than this one. We will now proceed with debriefing 36, Heaven's Gate. Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. Or, in old language, a couple thousand years ago, disciples. Those who are trying to prepare themselves for entry into the evolutionary level above human, synonymous with the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. We're going to talk to you about the most urgent thing that is on our mind and what we suspect is the most urgent thing on the minds of those who will connect with us. We'll title this tape, uh, Planet Earth About to be Recycled. Your only chance to evacuate is to leave with us. Planet Earth about to be recycled. Your only chance to survive or evacuate is to leave with us. Greetings, hushlings. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Where we journey into the world of conspiratorial mysteries and dark truths. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And as always, we're joined by our fellow crewmate, Slick Frank Sanders. Sliggity friggity, Frank Sanders here. What is up, Mike? Bop, bop, bop. Bop, bop, I'm ready to put on my tracksuit and my, my black Nikes. Hell yeah, oh, feeling Nike good. decades, dummy fresh. This week, for Debriefing 36, we infiltrated the Heaven's Gate cult. We'll be exploring Marshall Applewhite and his rise to infamy surrounding one of the most notorious mass suicides in the United States. But before we lace up our Nikes, make sure to follow us on all social medias. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also reach us at the official website of the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour, www.hushhushsociety.com. So easy for all you sweet babies. Where you can find all of our audio, our debriefings, declassified discussions, cryptid chronicles, our blogs, some news, and drop a review. And as always, Hushlings, you can hit us up at our email. If you have any topics you want us to explore, uh, if you just want to say hello, tell us we're doing a great job, tell us we suck, whatever your leisure, hit us up. Contact at HushHushSociety.com. You can also purchase the drippiest of the drip on Mother Earth, our beautiful globe. That would be Hush Hush Apparel. We have new designs in the works. They're on the way. It's coming. Also, Hushlings, before we get into this episode, I just want to remind you that our Patreon is live. If you're not sure what a Patreon is, a Patreon is kind of a subscriber tier service that allows you to get extra audio, extra 
little tidbits from our show, access to little things here and there. Uh, we have two pay tiers right now, a $3 tier and a $5 tier. The $5 Hushling tier will get you a bunch of audio extras such as the Frog Factor, Mystery Mike's Mothman Erotica, if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, you can hear us getting awfully dirty about some cryptids. Stay cool, stay sexy. You can also get bonus episodes, little mini-sodes, whatever we put out as audio extras along with access to our Discord, where we will be holding eventually weekly watch-alongs of the X-Files. It's gonna take ten years. If your first love was uh, Agent Dana Scully, such as, as mine was, come by, it's gonna be a great time. And before we get started, just want to shout out some of our first patrons, obviously, that is part of signing up. You get your name on our episodes. This is amazing. Thank you so much to our first patrons, Daniel Graves, Kimberly Amato, Amanda Tacoline, and Alyssa Facet. You guys are amazing, all at the Hushling tier. You get all those audio goodies, and we appreciate you guys so much. Without you, we are nothing. We're just specks of dust in the void. Oh my god. <laughs> and one more thing. January 10th, 2022. Our 40th debriefing and fourth live show. We will give you details on the topic soon. We're going live! Make sure to join us. We always give stuff away because we like to be broke and we like you to wear and drink from our stuff. Make sure you drink from our stuff. Don't wash it first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you get that coffee cup, don't wash it. I want you to put your lips to it first. <laughs> <laughs> Little preview of the Mothman erotica you can expect. All right, Buzz, let's join a cult. Our story starts with the infamous founder of Heaven's Gate, Marshall Applewhite. He was born in Texas and had led a relatively normal life. Applewhite was indoctrinated into a religious lifestyle early as his father was a Presbyterian minister. Marshall would go on to attend Austin College to earn a bachelor's degree in philosophy in 1952. Two short years later, in 1954, Marshall was drafted by the United States Army, serving until 1956. That same year, he enrolled at the University of Colorado, where he earned a master's degree in music. Thank you for your service, sir. Master's degree in music is pretty badass. It is pretty badass, but until you realize that he was a master at the pan flute. He got a master's degree playing the recorder from fourth grade. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, yeah. He would shred that son of a bitch. Applewhite then went on to teach as a professor in 1965, first at the University of Alabama, where he was fired for pursuing a sexual relationship with a male student. Later that year, he also taught at the University of St. Thomas, where he also pursued a relationship with a female student who eventually left him. It's that stare that he had. They're just like, why are you looking at me while I'm sleeping like that? <laughs> How come you don't blink? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, I got to say, at least the guy was equal opportunity. He went for male and female. Good for him. Yeah. Maybe his eyes were like that from like all of the sheet music. You know, if you get a if you get a masters in music, you're probably looking at a lot of a lot of sheet music and you know, if you blink 
it's just gonna fuck it up yeah i feel like you gotta play notes a bit faster when you're playing the recorder also yes (laughs) (laughs) he resigned from the university of saint thomas in 1970 citing depression and other emotional problems Also fucking your students. It was in 1972 that Applewhite met his partner in crime, Bonnie Nettles, a nurse with an interest in theosophy and biblical prophecy. The two quickly became close friends. The meeting between Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles is kind of muddled and murky. Some say that they met in a hospital due to Applewhite bringing himself in for some sort of medical problem, whereas others say that Applewhite was visiting a friend, but nonetheless, they met in a hospital while Bonnie was a nurse. Nettles told Applewhite that the two of them meeting each other was no mistake, that it was foretold to her by extraterrestrials, insisting that the two of them had a divine assignment together. It was around this time that he began exploring alternatives to traditional Christianity, especially astrology. He also began to have visions, including one in which he was told that he was chosen for a role like that of Jesus. Would jerk off his ego. My first thought goes to the newest thing is men are supposed to avoid new age women. If a woman comes up to you and she goes, hey, uh, you're a beautiful man. What a, what a great person you are. I'd, I'd like to get to know you. What's your birthday and astrological sign? You're supposed to just run. But with her, geez, she had the biblical prophecies, she was all about religion, she had a bit of that new age, and then she hits him off with, by the way, I'm a UFO experiencer. (laughs) Oh my god. Sounds like... Demi. Demi Lovato. By the way, Hushlings, not sure if you know, Demi Lovato is now an official UFO, UAP, extraterrestrial experiencer, and she sings to extraterrestrials, and they communicate with her and tell her all the secrets of the land, and she goes out and passes it on to her fans and says, hey, we're not alone. By the way, the term alien is offensive. Don't know if you guys know that. They told her. Terrible. They told her. I I hate that whole situation. I really do. It's terrible. Uh, I'm not fond of it. So here's the thing, and it's funny because we looked into Demi Lovato. Of course, anything that comes across our radar involving extraterrestrials, people in that community, we're obviously going to look at. And she has a show on Peacock. She has a podcast. She has a sex toy. Does she? Yeah, yeah. Is it like an alien sex toy? uh, Yeah, I think it's tentacle-ish. Fantastic. Incredible. Applewhite and Nettles decided to take their relationship to the next level. They moved in together. Although their partnership was platonic rather than sexual or romantic. Wait, hold on. He started to go crazy over a friend? A platonic friend? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. (sighs) Supposedly. So he wasn't even getting any. And Oh, oh, boy. Maybe that's where the stare came from. Yeah. (laughs) All that pent-up sexual aggression. Oh, my God. Even better, they opened a bookstore together that specialized in books of various spiritual backgrounds and launched a venture called Known Place to teach classes on theosophy and mysticism. Neither business lasted that long. I like that these two opened a small bookstore together. 
Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, it's kind of a beautiful thing. It's lovely. It's it's a little bit wholesome before right? like things get twisted. You're just trying to start a bookstore. Yeah. Before Marshall was like, "Hey, have you ever heard of this Nike company?" <laughs> <laughs> we got this killer deal on many pairs of shoes, and we need people to fill them. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Walk in my shoes. <laughs> Marshall and Bonnie had fully solidified their belief that they had been chosen to fulfill biblical prophecies and that they had been blessed with, quote, higher level minds than most other people. They were fully convinced that they were the, quote, two witnesses described in the book of Revelation. That's where things start to go downhill is when you start comparing yourself to characters in the book of Revelation, which obviously has to do with the end times. Like, why would you think that was a good idea? I mean, I'm sure they thought it was a great idea. If your friend came over to your house one day and they're like, hey, bud, look. I got something to tell you. We, you and I, we are aliens, <laughs> okay? We we are higher beings, and by the way, we were characters in a fictional book about <laughs> the end of the world. How do you feel about that? I'd probably ask him. What he was smoking, what he had ingested, what is he tripping on, and to get the fuck off my front porch. Hey, buddy, why are you naked on my front porch? (laughs) It's one thing to have this delusional belief that we have a divine assignment together. We have a very important role in this world, and to, to take that next step to directly compare yourself to people that were depicted in the book of Revelation, that's like two completely separate things both out of line and pretty whack but that's just taking it to like the next level of crazy not a good look not a good look look as a sophisticated squatch as i am i've known many different cultures of women and you come across those new age girls that say hey we are divine beings we are part of nature and we're part of space and time and we need to connect and yeah okay that's cool but if all of a sudden she was like and by the way we are the bringers of end times we we are the characters in revelations waiting for the end for the the seven trumpets to be sounded oh fuck get out of my apartment yep absolutely that's what i said jerking off their egos earlier dude really you were the ones they were talking about in the Bible. <laughs> hey, that sounds like me. You know, if you want me to look like Marshall Applewhite in the stare, say something to me like that, and you'll get the eyes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Maybe that's what it was. He just was forever surprised <laughs> that he was in the book. I had no idea that I was there. Just stuck like that for decades. This is all news to me. <laughs> Now, wide-eyed Applewhite and Nettles would go on to visit churches and other various spiritual groups to speak out on their newfound identities, often referring to themselves as the Two or the UFO Two. That's politically incorrect now. It's UAP Two. Yeah, yeah. Marshall and Bonnie were under the impression that they would be killed and then restored to life and transported onto a spaceship. They referred to this event as the Demonstration as it would fully prove the claims of their identities. That'll show them. Beam me up. If they had performed that demonstration earlier on, we wouldn't be talking about this cult. 
Exactly. Exactly. Well, after traveling for so long to spread their beliefs and bombarding spiritual believers around the country with pamphlets and whack gospel, the two gained their first followers in May of 1974, a woman named Sharon Morgan. Unfortunately, just like their business ventures, the first of their crew didn't last very long. Sharon jumped ship after about a month due to the couple stealing her credit cards and spending wildly. The charges of credit card fraud were dropped, but the routine background check brought up that Applewhite had stolen a rental car from St. Louis nine months prior, which he was still in possession of. I forgot. <laughs> he didn't forget. He's just above the law. He's one of the two. He's one That's of the right. two. The law doesn't right. apply. Everything's his. Marshall, all I'm saying is that spending $40,000 on Nikes is not cool. <laughs> <laughs> Marshall was not above the law because he spent six months in prison and was released in 1975. And once he was free, he and Nettles resumed their recruitment process. They began to publish advertisements for meetings where they could recruit their disciples, who they coined the crew. At these meetings, they would explain to the participants that they were representing beings from another planet or the next level who were looking for people to be a part of an experiment. They promised that those who agreed to take part would be brought to a higher evolutionary level. So essentially, they would pull out their wisdom teeth and fucking crack their tailbone. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, evolution. In April of 1975, a meeting took place with a metaphysical group of about 80 members. Bonnie and Marshall spoke of their divine purpose and spoke of being, quote, the two, again referring to the Book of Revelation. It was this meeting in April of 1975 that resulted in the first large wave of followers. Somewhere between 23 and 27 people joined the couple. A few months later in September, Applewhite and Nettles preached at a motel hall in Waldport, Oregon. After the meeting, about 20 people vanished from the motel and joined the group. Sounds like a party. Yeah, yeah. They had like peach schnapps and... <laughs> Red solo tuna, cups, tuna casserole, tuna casserole, <laughs> peach, peach schnapps, and tuna casserole. And uh, guys, Bonnie made tuna casserole. Just help yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> There's like 15 of those big tin foil trays. Yeah, just tuna, tuna casserole. casserole. <laughs> There's no water because on our planet or where we're from, we drink whole milk. Oh, <laughs> yo, oh. Uh, Hold on. You know, I've told you guys my stance on milk, right? I think we all have a similar stance on milk. I feel similarly about milk because when I was a young boy, a young squatch, you know, my family was, like, not well off. So we had a lot of spaghetti dinners. Spaghetti's not the problem. <laughs> but a lot of spaghetti dinners and and milk. There was always, it was always milk. <laughs> The combination of tomato sauce and pasta and just, like, thick milk, I can't do it anymore. It's I think it's one of the main reasons that I hate milk and hate tomato sauce. But, yeah, Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie definitely look like people that really enjoy milk. <laughs> yeah. No hate to milk drinkers. It's just, like, you're not really made to digest that. We'll have an episode on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll do an episode, an entire hour episode on milk. <laughs> <laughs> milk, the milk industry, why you really shouldn't be drinking whole gallons of milk that probably isn't that cold at work. 
I don't even want to get into it, but for the first like 12 years of my life, I lived next door to a dairy farm, and I don't even want to tell people what the fuck happens. By late 1975, the two were now calling themselves Doe and T. Interesting. Or Bo and Peep. That's just weird. Doe and uh, T is a reference to his uh, first love, the recorder. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Bo and Peep. Bo and Peep, that's like being the sheep herder. Yes. The shepherds. I see their reference. Had amassed nearly a hundred member crew. They led their members across the country, free from the scrutiny of the public eye, basically disguised as homeless people. Because they were homeless. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, it's just a disguise, I swear. (laughs) We're on the come up, guys, I swear. We're, We're on the come up. The group would become known as Human Individual Metamorphosis before reinventing itself through various name changes and recruitment methods. Methods such as proclaiming the gospel of higher-level metamorphosis, preaching the deceit of humans by false god spirits, or even practicing the envelopment of sunlight for meditative healing. These guys were all over the place. Photosynthesis. In 1976, the group stopped recruiting and completely secluded themselves. They adopted a rigid set of lifestyle guidelines, such as banning sex and the use of drugs. You know, just typical cult lifestyle. It was at this point that they just kind of went underground and weren't really heard from, besides the occasional news story. I heard that they had a choice if they wanted to get surgically castrated. And he brought them, I think it was to Mexico City, had some cheap surgeries done flew them back, and there was a couple guys that did it, and there was a couple guys that were like, no, I'm out of this. This is too much for me. Because they feared that the next wave that he was going to do, there was no choice. You either leave or get snipped. That was pretty interesting to find out. How about just leaving? Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. You're already homeless. You don't need to be homeless and castrated. (laughs) Yeah, right. I understand the psychology of cult leaders and how cults are formed. It's basically a predatory style of recruitment against people that feel maybe their self-esteem is shot, maybe their parents have cast them out, maybe they feel like castaways in society. So going after those people are kind of easy targets. But at some point, the group that you're following has to say something or has to be a part of something where you kind of scratch your head and go, is this really worth it? And I think Marshall coming out, hey guys, just huddle up for a second. Listen, we're um, we're all going to get chemically castrated because these little dinglings, we don't need them. Yep. <laughs> no, not where you're going. These aren't important in the next level. Yep. He comes out and it's just dusk, barely any light left, but you see his wide eyes in the dark because <laughs> he's, a, he's a predator. He's got like light flaring <laughs> off of him and he comes through and oh, oh my God, it's an animal. Guys, guys, get Oh no, it's Marshall. Hey, Marshall. And he's just like, hey guys, you guys ready to get rid of those balls? Ah, man, come on. <laughs> You guys ready to ditch the dicks? Let's do it. (laughs) There's got to be that moment, man. There's got to be a moment where you you just say, all right, maybe it's a little bit much, Marshall. It's been fun. I really enjoyed the whole milk and Charleston shoes, but I got to hit the road, man. I feel like he'd be way scarier if he had jaundice. (laughs) (laughs) Just the yellowing skin and these bright, glaring, never blinking eyes. (laughs) Oh, my God. 
They were in the dark for 14, 15 years. In the early 1990s, the cult resurfaced as Applewhite began recruiting new members. Soon after the 1995 discovery of the comet Hale-Bopp, the Heaven's Gate members became convinced that an alien spacecraft was on its way to Earth, hidden from human detection behind the comet in its tail. I remember that comet. That was a good day. I got a cat that day. A stray cat came up the driveway. My dad fed it, and it never left. Fun fact about the Hale-Bopp comet, it only comes around every 2,530-something years, so if you didn't see it, you missed out. If you weren't born, I'm sorry. I can wait for the next one. Yeah, we'll hang out. Actually, on the next level, it's just a spread of casseroles and comets. <laughs> and Charleston shoes and milk. And Charleston shoes. Some are frozen, some are not, depending on your taste. Hushlings, we will return after these brief messages. We sift through the debris and rubble to uncover the truths of the deadliest terrorist attack in history, killing over 2,996 people. The September 11th attacks of 2001. We recently passed the 20th anniversary of that tragic day, and we dig through all the events that transpired leading up to and after. We explore what really happened to United 175 and American 11. We go inside the World Trade Center, Building 7, and their collapse. We investigate United Airlines Flight 93 and the crash of American 77 into the Pentagon as well. Join us for Debriefing 37, Part 1 of 9-11, streaming Monday, November 29th. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. In October of 1996, Applewhite rented a large home in Rancho Santa Fe, California explaining to the owner that the group that was moving in was made up of Christian-based angels. <laughs> Me and my angels are coming to move into your San Diego home. This is beautiful. Bro, how as a landlord do you still end up renting to those people? <laughs> just how do you do it? Because they were angels. Yeah, they were angels. Maybe it was just like super gullible. Or maybe he was super religious. <laughs> the setup. You're a landlord. Santa Fe, California. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This wide-eyed, never-blinking man <laughs> comes up to you wearing all white. Reeks of tuna and milk. <laughs> Just stretching out a Charleston chew, chewing on it, nougat everywhere. And he goes, hey. Right. Uh, my name's Marshall. How you doing? Um, yeah, we got a, we got about uh, 40 people that are going to move into this house, and we're all... Uh, we're all angels. <laughs> How do you not look at that man in the face and say, get off my property right now? Maybe he offered him some Nike decades or like a lifetime <laughs> yeah. supply of the good old Charleston shoes. No, what it was is he goes, okay, the rent is $4,000 a month. And Marshall was like, cool, man, cool. Here's 7000 <laughs> Yeah, here's seven. Yeah. <laughs> Since the beginning of recruitment, the group had been told that they would be biologically and chemically transformed into extraterrestrial beings, and would be transported with their bodies aboard a spacecraft that would meet them on Earth and then take them to heaven, which they dubbed the next level. This fallacy had to change when Bonnie Nettles died of cancer in 1985. The group was aware that her body died and was still on world, rather than being beamed up to space resulting in the revision of only the consciousness leaving the body in death. Yeah, this guy, this guy revised it more than the damn King James Bible. Jesus. 
Yeah. That's another one of those red flags. Since the 70s, now we're in the 90s. Okay, since the 70s, you've been telling your followers when the aliens come and our bodies are going to be taken up into heaven and we're going to live there and it's going to be amazing and everything's going to be great. Then Bonnie dies and they see, why is Bonnie still here? What do you mean you have to go to the funeral? (laughs) What, What body is there to bury? Why is there a funeral? Marshall's like scratching his neck. Oh, so guys, I, uh... I might have messed up the prophecy. <laughs> he's, he's got one of those big-ass erasers. He's just like, oh, Jesus. For damn near 20 years, he's been saying, your body is going to go up to heaven, and now Bonnie has died, and she's one of the two, which makes it even worse. Yeah. yeah. And her body is still there. How do you turn to everybody and go, oh, yeah, no, no, it's just it's just your consciousness that goes. Oh, I didn't. I didn't tell you guys. I just imagine like everybody walking into the living room, and Marshall's just there in front of a whiteboard with an eraser, just frantically <laughs> erasing. <laughs> just oh, hey guys, what's up? <laughs> yeah, just uh, just getting ready for the morning meeting here. A little revision to the uh, the story, the gospel. The group was also very ironically against suicide, huh? In their own words, they defined it as, quote, turning against the next level when it is being offered. They saw their bodies as vehicles to help them get to their final destination. Suicide in their heads would not be allowing a person's consciousness to leave their bodies, resulting in not being able to achieve that next level that they all sought after so desperately. The members of the group all gave themselves three-letter names with the suffix Adi, which made them a child of the next level. This is mentioned in Applewhite's final video, Doe's Final Exit, filmed in March of 1997. Now, if you're interested in some of the personal takes of the members of Heaven's Gate or even some of the words directly from Applewhite, I would highly suggest going and watching that. You can find it on YouTube. It's incredibly creepy and disturbing. It will make your skin crawl. Check it out. If you're not familiar with the Museum of Death, yes, it exists. Yes. It used to be in Los Angeles. Where is it now, Dave? I believe it's in San Fernando Valley now. It's still in the LA area. Used to be in Hollywood. Now, if you go in there, they have a bunch of exhibits on serial killers and all that crap. But there's also a Heaven's Gate exhibit there. And Mm -hmm. that Marshall Applewhite video is playing like on loop. So you can watch it if you ever visit the Museum of Death. And they have like a mock-up of bunk beds and bodies. It's very creepy. Yeah, it's a museum of death. The whole thing is creepy. Interesting museum, though. Check it out if you're in L.A. Bring the family. <laughs> the person in front of us, the first time I went into it, they had to leave after the first room. They turned right around. Super creepy. Another strong belief was that to be eligible for membership of the next level, members would have to shed every earthly attachment. This would include human-like characteristics, family, friends, individuality, jobs, money, and possessions. Applewhite also advocated sexual abstinence, and several male cult members, like we said before, followed his example by undergoing castration operations. Like I said before, that'd be my time to go. Let's just... I thought that was one of the benefits of joining a cult is, like, the sexual promiscuity. Some, I would say, probably, but I mean... Marshall had other plans. Marshall didn't want anybody touching anybody. Their benefits involved free Charleston shoes, free tuna casserole, and free castrations. Yeah, it was probably covered by Applewhite, so. And free dope, 
drippy ass, fresh, seamless, creaseless Nike decades. Sheesh. I still have that t-shirt idea, the Heaven's Gate t-shirt idea that I think we should roll with. <laughs> what? A close-up picture of a girl's mouth and she's eating a Charleston chew and all the nougat is like stretched out. <laughs> and it just says Heaven's Gate down the side of the nougat <laughs> in the nougat. It's coming to uh, com. so if you're down with some Heaven's Gate apparel, it'll be there. It's going to be like a, a Day to Remember t-shirt from 2004. <laughs> it's going to be dope. <laughs> I'm going to pay to get it made and nobody's going to buy it. Members of Heaven's Gate believe that what the Bible called God is actually a highly developed extraterrestrial. Makes sense. In turn, they also believed in evil space aliens called Luciferians who falsely represented themselves as God with the intentions of preventing humans from developing. You know, this isn't far off base from some of the things that we've talked about with extraterrestrials, so... This is the only part of it that I would be like, all right. Probably the most reasonable thing that's come out of them. Yes. The group was under the influence that these Luciferians had infiltrated and corrupt all modern religions on Earth. Again, make, making sense. I don't know. Marshall. The tide is turning. <laughs> Marshall. Damn. Damn. I might actually take a plate of that tuna casserole. <laughs> <laughs> starting to sound kind of good. I may rethink milk. <laughs> I may rethink the snip. I do look good in black. <laughs> I've always wanted a tracksuit. True crime Twitter will hate this episode. They'll be like, you made fun of this whole thing. This oh, terrible. come you, on. You made it comedic. Good thing we're not a true crime podcast. Got him. (laughs) (laughs) Only the individuals who choose to join Heaven's Gate follow Applewhite and Nettle's belief system and make the sacrifices required by membership would be allowed to escape their detrimental human suffering. This is where we get serious. The final act of Heaven's Gate takes place in the monastery, which is what they called their new large estate in Rancho Santa Fe. And on March 20th, 1997, Applewhite taped himself in what he called Doe's final exit, speaking of mass suicide and the only way to evacuate Earth. That's heavy, man. That's the video that Frank was saying you can watch. And like he said, it's haunting. Yeah, it's incredible. You can actually get the accounts of members of the cult and get their actual beliefs and their intakes on it from like a a more personal level than just what we're telling you about them. Yeah, there's a couple really solid documentaries. They really thought they were doing the right thing. Yeah. It's really weird. Okay, so quick question before we move on. Didn't Marshall Applewhite just say that suicide was not the way out? Their group believed that suicide was not the way to go. Like we said before, their belief system and their regiments changed over and over and over just to make it fit with the narrative. But I feel like the coming of the comet Hale-Bopp really changed that and they were convinced that there was a UFO in the tail of it, so they all had to die at the same time. To coincide with the timing of the comet. It had to be a mass exodus because the UFO was going to pass. Maybe before Hale-Bopp, they are like, guys, you, you can't kill yourself to get to the next level. That was the sign that made that okay. So that revision probably was a little bit easier because he's like, look, there's the prophecy. Yeah, they're here to get us now. We got to go now. 
it would be alluring to somebody that would believe in something like that. There hasn't been any comets that you can see that's like that one, that's, that was that visible, that close. And for the duration that it was and how long it takes its orbital period to come back, it was 2,500 years ago. So if this guy tells he's one of the two from this book in the Bible, that's a sure as shit sign if you believe it. Even if you half believe it at that point, the comet kind of solidified it. Yeah. If you had even like an inkling of that belief that there was some sort of UFO or craft or whatever that was in the tail of the comet and then the comet shows up after thousands of years. Yeah, it would make sense that now you're all in. Guys, will you will you meet me at the whiteboard this morning? Yeah, yeah, right after your Charleston juice. Quick review. <laughs> In the film, he asserted the fact that a spacecraft was trailing the comet Hale-Bopp during its 4,000-year orbit around the sun, and that its passing by Earth would be the closure for Heaven's Gate. Marshall Applewhite persuaded 38 followers to prepare for ritual suicide so their souls could board the craft. To proceed to their next level, members took phenobarbital mixed with applesauce or pudding and washed it down with vodka. After they ate their snack, they would secure a plastic bag around their head to induce asphyxiation. All 39 were dressed identical during the mass exodus. A black t-shirt, sweatpants, and black and white Nike decades. And armbands with patches that read, Heaven's Gate Away Team. No way. Yep. What? That's real? They were rocking different patches throughout the entire duration of the cult. Yeah, they were heavy on patches. What? Really? Heaven's Gate away yeah. team? Yeah. That's what they... Oh, my God. I'm sorry, but that sounds like a piece of merchandise we would make. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most morbid part of it, though. Yeah, I think the garb, what they were wearing and their outfits and... Uh, well, I guess you could call them uniforms at this point. Mm -hmm. I, I think that right there is actually the scariest part. It's the most twisted part. I just wonder why they chose what they chose. Like, I couldn't really find anything around that. The Nike decades, they probably just got a slam and deal on, but, like, the rest of it. <laughs> Apple White just lifted a truck from St. Louis. <laughs> I'm telling you, he put it on somebody's charge card. Yeah, for sure. Probably. Probably it was, what's her name? Sharon, or she used her credit card number. I still got this credit card from the 70s. Yeah, she never changed it. <laughs> Once a member had passed, a living member would arrange the body by removing the bag and laying the person neatly on their bed, covering the face and torso with a square purple cloth. What the fuck? Imagine being like, well, Bob's gone. We're going to go over here and take the bag off his head. Now you put the bag over my head. What the fuck? That brings me to a new question. So they didn't all, didn't all kill themselves together? Out of the 39 members, 21 of them being women, 18 men, most of them being between the ages of 26 and 72, they died over three different groups over the course of three days. Three days? Yeah. Yeah, so they did like 13, 15, and 14 or something like that. I don't remember the exact numbers. Holy shit. They figured out that Apple White was the third to go. In the third group, or th like third? Yeah, in, in, the, in the third group. He was the third to last to go. 
So Applewhite was neatly on his bed, and then the two people that propped up Applewhite on his bed and covered him up didn't have the bags taken off of his head. So they were like, okay, these two must have been the ones that secured Applewhite. They never got the bags and the purple cloth. Can you imagine walking into that? What did they do with the first couple waves of bodies, though? Did they just leave them in the house? I think they just left them on their bed. Oh, my God, dude. I'll see you there. They had those bunk bed systems. Yeah, that's yeah. they were just so, chilling on bunk beds. Everybody on bunk beds. Oh, <clears> my God. The San Diego County Sheriff's Department received an anonymous tip over the phone on March 26, 1997. It was suggested that the police check on the welfare of the residents. The single deputy who responded to the tip entered the home from a side door and immediately saw ten bodies. Completely overwhelmed by the pungent smell of the decomposing corpses, a search was conducted to find that no one was alive and both left until a warrant could be obtained. Ultimately, all the bodies were cremated. Hushlings, I'm going to go drive to this house and take a picture. Yeah, we can put it up on the blog. Yeah, it's about like a 35-45 minute drive or so. It's just a house. It's not in poor taste. We're just taking a picture of a house. house. There's a lot of information about this cult that I did not know until we did this debriefing. And this last part with the mass suicide. I didn't know about the waves. Yeah, I didn't know about that either. Three days. I thought it all happened all at once. Mm -mm. The comet was visible for a couple days, I believe. They probably did it as long as you could see it. I wonder if there was coercion. Or if there was some members who were like, uh, I don't know if I should do this, and Marshall either forced them or talked them into it, or if everybody was just on board from day one. Who knows? Another notable fact that we left out is that Heaven's Gate had their own website, which was pretty uncommon for like a smaller group to have their own website back in the 90s. Hmm. And that website dove deep into their ideologies and what they believed in and what their purpose was, and that website is actually still up today. Really? Yeah, the Heaven's Gate website, yeah, you could look it up, it's still up. Well, I mean, that was the infancy of the internet, right, when they pretty much were... Yeah, mid mid to late 90s. Right when this event happened, yeah. So if this guy could do what he did with these people and coerce them into ending their lives over you know, an alien spacecraft and whatnot, he definitely is going to capitalize on using a new tool. I remember looking back when the internet first came out, and I'm pretty sure I mean, the, mo- the bulk of the things that we were doing was downloading music, but there were some websites that were up that you get to and that's such a powerful thing to happen to 1991 to 1998 the difference between having the internet in your face and then you see this heaven's gate this like oh my god this is this is a group i can join Mm. this a whole new thing that's like the beginning of the internet shaping people's psychology and how they think yeah unfortunately it probably added to their legitimacy it could have influenced certain people to want to join I'm curious if Marshall Applewhite was around today trying to do this recruitment process or whatever he was attempting to do, how successful he would have been. He'd probably still still pretty successful, I would say. With certain people, maybe not that maybe not as many people. 
I don't know. I hate to say that I believe that he could probably pull 30 to 40 people. Yeah, I would say at, so. At bare minimum. Because, like, yeah, there's, there's, you know, everybody's got all the information of the world at the fingertips. And we've got this mass free-thinking wave going through society and people are getting woke but there's still people out there that are gullible and that are vulnerable and that are susceptible to mind games of this nature. Those people will never go away, I'm sure. Hushlings, we just want to say, even though we have used uh, plenty of comedic instances in this episode, it was a sad event. Cults suck. Let's get into our final thoughts. I would love to hear what the boys think. Declassified Dave, what are your thoughts on Heaven's Gate? My thoughts are a little bit different because obviously 39 people committed suicide. It's it's pretty heavy. But my thoughts on this whole thing is don't join a cult. I think this is a really just sad, unfortunate event. But ultimately, these two, between Bonnie and... Marshall, they had a lot of pull on people for the better part of 25, almost 30 years. Between the revisions and whatever gospel they were preaching and whatever they thought they were, they made 39 people believe that they were going to be beamed up on a spacecraft if they killed themselves. Ultimately, it's just a wild story of events, and it ended very poorly. I will first of all say, if you ever have a thought of joining a cult, don't do it. Uh, they all end, end badly. I don't think that there's been a cult that has gone very well. There's a reason that they have the stigma that they do. I think Marshall and Bonnie, they were good at persuading people to do things that they wanted to be done. I think they hyper-focused on certain groups and knew that they could reach out to the most vulnerable people in those groups and take advantage of them. And that's exactly what they did. There was a religious part of this, but there was also a spiritual part of this. And I think it related to a lot of different people. It was kind of a broad message that they were sending out. But in the end, they were predators, realistically. And who knows if Marshall and Bonnie even really believed their bullshit. Or if it was just a ploy to get money from people or to have a, a following because of ego or whatever it boiled down to being, we'll never know. But Hushlings, if anybody ever tells you to drink the juice, don't fucking do it. Final thoughts, Slick Frog Sanders. Frog's final thought. Again, just to mirror what you and Dave had said, tragic event. 39 people killing themselves under the pure beliefs of bullshit spewed to them by Marshall and Bonnie. I can't help but wonder if all of this would have happened if Applewhite hadn't met Bonnie. I feel like she played a pretty decent role in this, even though she had died in the 80s. So I'm not saying Marshall holds no accountability. It was definitely two halves to the responsibility for what happened. But I can't help but wonder if Bonnie hadn't said, you know, we, we have this role, we are the two from the Book of Revelation, if this would have happened, maybe Applewhite would have just secluded himself after losing his university jobs, and that would have been that. And maybe this would have never happened. 
I wish it were as easy to say just don't join a cult. I, I wish it were that easy because, like we've mentioned, they preyed upon the vulnerable, they preyed upon the people that they knew that they could get to do their bidding and join for whatever reasons that may be. And again, when you listen to Doe's final exit, you get to hear the accounts of these people, and they made it clear that they felt at home, they felt as though they had a purpose, and when Applewhite inevitably told them, hey, we're going to take these drugs and wash it down with vodka, and we're going to beam up to the next level, they were in for it. The majority of them didn't even give it a second thought. So it's, it's just crazy to see that one or two people could have the pull on dozens to literally end their lives based off of a fallacy. It's scary. It's very scary. But those are my final thoughts. There's there's not much to say on that. Which, again, makes me wonder, did Marshall and Bonnie actually believe their bullshit? It's pretty sick to want to take down that many people with you. There has to be some sense of belief if you're willing to commit to killing yourself. Well, they committed more than 30 years on it. Yeah, I I would imagine they probably believe their bullshit. But specifically talking about Marshall, he had to believe it now that I think about it, because it'd be a whole different thing if he got everybody else to kill themselves and he just went about his day and then left. But he was part of it, too. But then again, without Bonnie, like, what else did he have? His cult members. They all went out together. Very tragic. Cults are heavy, man. There will be more cult episodes. Oh, for sure. There's some cults that we were talking about covering that are even worse than Heaven's Gate. So uh, stay tuned if you're into cults. Well, that's going to do it for Debriefing 36 on Heaven's Gate. What were your thoughts? Did we miss anything that we should have discussed? Were there any topics that we glazed over? Did we joke around too much? Did we not joke around enough? Do you think that we can afford those Nike decades? The resale is five grand, by the way, Hushlings. Five grand for Nike decades. If you guys can find them, scoop them up. Those aren't the pairs that these people were wearing. They're just literally the the same model of shoe. Crazy Nike resale value. Uh, Reach out to us at contact at hushhushsociety.com. Be sure to tune in for Debriefing 37, 9-11 Part 1. Streaming everywhere, Monday, November 29th. Yes, Hushlings, we are finally doing it. 9-11 was supposed to be in our first season. Just kept pushing it. we waited. Kept pushing it. 14 months. (laughs) We pushed it a lot for a couple reasons. Because of research and generally because it was such a heavy topic. And we didn't know if it was going to be one episode, two episodes. We, It's finally here. It's going to be a rough one. So strap in for it. Thank you again for joining the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And I'm Slick Frank Sanders. Until our next debriefing, remember, the best kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.